Hi, I'm Gordon Lamp here with the Real Finds Podcast, a podcast series where we interview key entrepreneurs, scientists, and activists who are shaping real estate and, as a result, our world. On today's podcast, we'll be speaking with Robert Powell. Robert is the Chief Executive Officer and Principal at Resolute RE. Additionally, he's a coach at the Massimo Commercial Real Estate Group. On the podcast, we discuss and glean insights from decades of experience leasing properties, representing tenants, and advising land sales. As the podcast continues, we take a deep dive into building effective organizations, coaching brokers, and getting the most out of your team. If you manage a real estate team, this is a must-listen episode. Rob, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Man, I am uh, thankful to be here. Uh, Very grateful that you invited me. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. So, Rob, before we start off, can you introduce us or introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, so my name is Rob Powell. I am a broker in New Mexico. I'm the principal of the New Mexico office, as well as the CEO of Resolute RE, commercial real estate brokerage out of Austin, Texas. So I wear a few hats. So Texas and New Mexico, very different places. I know sometimes people generalize them together as, you know, they're in the South, the Southwest, but um, why work in two different markets? Well, the first thing is, is that um, our corporate office is in Austin. So we were also in Arkansas, uh, Resolute REs in Arkansas, Louisiana, um, Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, and Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so uh, we have um, brick and mortar in all those cities that I just mentioned. And um, we are in expansion mode. So we're, you know, we're looking at Arizona, we're looking at Colorado and so forth. Um, We want to be nationwide. So to answer your question is that um, we just don't, we we, want to be everywhere. And that's the goal. And that's my job um, as a CEO is to get the brand in every every state um, and follow up with our, our, our brand that's already national on the retail level. So let's talk about getting everywhere, right? So how do you get everywhere? Uh, I, I know there's a lot of ways that people do it. Some people do it for acquisitions. Some people do it by uh, just sustained growth. What's what's your plan to scale up and move everywhere? Or at least, you know, as much of the plan as you can tell us. Yeah, I wish there was a secret formula and I wish I knew it. And um, I should be asking you that question. Um the way that we're doing it right now is that we're, we're doing it twofold. Currently, all of our offices, all of our brick and mortar offices are corporate offices. Now we're going, you know, we've hired a consultant out of Manhattan and they're helping us kind of set up this affiliation program now so um, so that we can go in different states and and someone can have that someone has a team already has they're already established. Um, they can um, affiliate with us and basically um, take advantage of what I feel is our intellectual property, and that is our marketing research and analytics, right? That so, is a really cool product that we have. So I want to follow up on that. And and that's how I found you originally online is I think you have a very interesting uh, marketing setup. And so 
what kind of got you started in kind of doing kind of the more modern marketing style and and what kind of tips can you give for folks who are trying to reach out there and market their businesses because there's a lot of folks that are listening to this podcast that are in the commercial real estate world who have probably been doing things relatively the same for the last 20 or 30 years maybe they've got a website maybe they've explored seo but they're not you know they're not really uh all the way jumped in the pool of the, you know, marketing 2023. How do you get started in doing that? And kind of uh, uh, what's your marketing program like? So first of all, there's, there's, there's two components, right? Um, on our, when we talk about what we do for our clients, there's the marketing analytics and research, right? And that is the analytics of getting the best site for our clients, our prospects, right? Um, and then there's what we do internally to market the brand. And so at one point, um, when I first got on with um, Resolute RE, um, we were retail solutions and it really isolated us. And all we did was retail. But being in New Mexico, being in different markets there, you know, we had other clients that had other needs, industrial, office and so forth. And so we knew that we needed to expand our brand and it couldn't just be retail. So that's how we transitioned to Resolute RE. And our marketing came behind that to push out that brand. Um, and here's the key is it wasn't something that I came up with. It's not something the founder came up with is we have a lot of young brokers and they understand um, how marketing works and they understand um, the social media. Um, and I got coached. I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And and I, I hired a coach. Um, I being a Massimo coach, and, and coaching a lot of people across the country, um, that's that was pretty natural for me. And I needed to get coached. Um, I relied a lot on the on the young bucks that we have in the office, not only in New Mexico but in Texas, of how do we stretch that brand. And then we hired a marketing director that understands um, how important branding is and protecting that brand. So what are you guys doing in terms of marketing? Um, what's your primary focus? Is it digital? Is it, um, you know, at, at, I'm assuming it's digital. Is it SEO driven? Is it predominantly um, uh, social media driven? Where's your focus? And then uh, from there, kind of how does it expand? All of the above and everything has its own strategy, right? So, uh, of course, we have a CRM. We're constantly building that database of players in the market, not only landlords and retailers, but also brokers, right? We're, we're recruiting. So we have to build that database. And so we have a lot of email blasts. We have a lot of social media posts. Uh, we have a guy that's very talented out of our Houston office and he, and, he, and he's a young buck and he focuses on social media and putting video, video content. You know, when we post something, we, we need to make sure we have faces on it because people will scroll really quick if there's just text. And so yeah. all these little things that, you know, you and I, or just me might not think is relevant. There's people that understand how this works and having those people as part of your team is huge. So yeah, social media Having someone understand that the SEO piece and making sure, you know, um, you know, the, my marketing director, uh, Shaston, came in and said, hey, we've got to get uh, people to comment on their on on what they think of us on Google. We've got to get that going and, and we got to get our website moving along. And these are the tools I need. So there are people in our company that know what the hell they're doing. 
that's crazy important. At the same time, I think leadership has to acknowledge the fact that it is important and that we don't have all the answers, but there are people out there that do have the answers and let's get them in here and help us get where we need to go. So how do you, how do you uh, do that transformation? Because I, I know you're talking about that right now, that it really takes leadership that understands that the times are changing to you know, quote Bob Dylan. And um, you know, when, when you sit there and you're saying, okay, how do, how do I start that transformation? How do you guys go about that process? Because it's, it's a tough thing to sit there and say, we need to change as an organization. Well, it's a tough thing if it's ego-driven, right? If, if you're abundant-minded versus scarcity, and, and what I mean by that is when you're scarcity-minded, you feel like you have to have all the answers. You feel like the, that, it, that it ends with you and, and you're leading a company. And the reality is, is hey, I don't know everything. Let's find the people that know a lot more than we do. And if the leadership says, it it starts off saying that we don't have the answers, that is how we can grow. Because now we're looking for people that can help us with the answers. We Now we're able to understand that we're not supposed to know everything. We're supposed to gather the right people that are going in the right direction. So when you talk about transition, it starts about mindset. And I don't care what anyone else thinks. If, 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 if you have a mindset that, um, that you're competing with the people under you and your people aren't first, um, then you start trusting yourself and you trust yourself to think that you know better than everyone else. Man, I know that I, 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 I don't know Jack, <laughs> right? And I know there's people out there that are way better at certain things than I am. Let's bring them on. And when you talk about transition, transition is not possible if it's if if you come from an egocentric perspective. In other words, there's a scarcity mindset. It just it's not possible. Transition is only possible when you know you don't have all the answers. So look, you've done coaching. Massimo Group is a great organization. How does one transition into that mindset? Because the scarcity mindset is particularly plentiful in a recession. And we know we're about to probably go into a recession if we're not already there, depending on who you want to talk to. And if you're on Team Red or Team Blue, how are we um, as brokers or developers and managers best um, able to put ourselves into a, a positive mindset when we're looking to address the real estate world? Um, I think that is a fantastic question because um, it opens up it that having that same that having the right mindset in that particular aspect serves every aspect of your life, whether you're a father, whether you're a husband, whether you're a CEO, whether um, you're a broker is that mindset. It has to come down to one thing and you can only grow from that one thing. And that is it's not about you. Right. It's. The mindset is making sure everyone around you has the tools and has your support. And more importantly, your, your, your objective is to make everyone around you better, right? I don't want to be the number one broker. I don't want to be the number one guy. I don't want to be the guy. I want everyone around me to succeed. What are the, you're, so you're asking questions. It's not like, Hey, how's it going? Do you, do you need anything? No, great. Have a great day. It's more like, hey, how's it going? What, what are you struggling with? How can I help you? 
not only, you know, as, as a CEO, you're asking your board members that as a CEO, you're asking um, the, the company that as a broker, as a managing broker, you're asking your brokers and you're thinking about your brokers and you're trying to figure out what is it that I can do to make them to help them be successful? Because I, my goal is if I can have just uh, a small percentage, if I'm the, a small reason why someone is successful, I've won. Um, a long time ago, it shared with me, um, and you know, it's it's been said in different forms. But if you give everyone around you, if you help everyone around you get what they want, you will get what you want. And my my goal, I think, in any position that I'm in, is that what can I do to make everyone around me better? Because if, if if everyone around me is getting better, that's going to benefit the company and it's going to benefit me. And, but I, you know, there was a point in my life where I was, I, you know, I didn't, wasn't motivated, but it was because all I did was look at myself. You know, um, I love the fact of being in leadership because I'm concerned about everyone around me. And it, when I'm concerned about everyone around me, who I'm not concerned about is me. When all I do is think about me and all the things I don't have and all the things that I want, that's a pretty depressing place to be. When you're thinking about everybody else, that's an abundant mindset. And I love being there. And I know when I start getting sad or depressed, it's because all I'm doing is thinking about me. That's the secret. At least that's what I found to be the secret. Well, we're going to think about you for a second here. And uh, one of the things that uh, I noticed when I, uh, got in contact with you originally is that you won the Massimo Group uh, Coach of the Year in 2021, which was certainly a tough year for real estate in terms of things are all over the place, right? You had office market in the tank, you had industrial all over the place, you had retail trying to figure out uh, what was going on. Um, how did that affect you to get that level of recognition? And what can you say to other uh individuals who want to be aspiring coaches or aspiring just uh, great managers in a, in a brokerage office? There's a, there's a few questions in there. So I'm going to try to remember them. Please feel free to remind me of some of the questions that I'm not answering. So the first thing is, is winning that award was, was pretty badass um, because there are some really, really great coaches um, in, in the Massimo group. And um, that was an honor more importantly, just because of what it means, it definitely it's it's I, the 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 award comes from what the members are saying, right? It's kind of, um, the, it's who the members are picking and, and commenting on and so forth. So that was a great honor. Um, the second thing is, I think the biggest thing that changed my life, and there, there's been some there's there's some bits and points in my life that that there have been pivots for me. Um, the catalyst. I think the biggest one is coaching. The reason I, you know, the reason coaching has been such a huge change for me is I, I was an okay broker. I mean, actually, I was a terrible broker until I started uh, putting these methods into place. But then when I started coaching others, I started getting better at, um, at those coaching techniques, right? And so, um, and I always refer, you know, the Stephen Covey principle, you want to get really good at something, you coach it, you teach it. And I think that applies in everything. Um, 
commercial real estate, um, it's a technical thing. It, there's a lot of components to it. And when I coach my team, when I coach my, my Massimo members, um, it's always a repetition of the things that work. And we're not talking about things that something Rod made up. These are techniques that, that really, really, really successful brokers use. And they have to be repeated over and over and over again. I, I've been coaching for several years now. And I am constantly reminded of the things, not, not, not about the things that I'm doing, but the things that I'm not doing that I know work for other people. Right. So and we're in a we're in a great industry where there is no ceiling. There's no there's you. The, the, the money you can make in this industry is incredible. And if you and if you're finding that you're you know, you're kind of average, you're making two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year and not breaking that. It's because there's some stuff out there that works, but you're not doing it. And if you can get uncomfortable enough to know that you need to figure that out. That's where your business explodes. And that and coaching has helped me not only as a father and as a husband, but also as a not only as a broker, but as a leader. Right? I'm coaching all these people across the country that are amazing brokers. They're really good. And they're they're tired of being comfortable and they and they want to know what is it that I'm not doing. And then you get insight into their business. You, you get an insight in every market, L.A., Manhattan, Nashville, Texas. You get real good insight on what's going on in their business. And does that make me a better broker? Absolutely. Does that make me a better leader? I hope so. I think so. And, and so, coaching has been life changing. So um, I wanted to follow up one last little bit on, on the coaching group. Um, what got you interested in Massimo Group originally? Because... Look, it's a great group. Don't get me wrong, but um, what what was the inspiration for joining Massimo Group? So, first of all, um, I had known about Rod and Rod Santo Massimo, and I was a broker at Grub and Ellis here in New Mexico, and Rod came to a lunch and learn kind of thing. They hired him. He came down. And he and I were part of, of of a group years before a strategic coach. I don't know if you remember strategic coach or not. A pretty powerful um, coaching company. And uh, um, so I knew where he was coming from. I knew the perspective he was coming from. And I and in the fact that Grub and Else had hired him to come in and teach and coach, um, I thought gave him. You know, I was pretty pretty impressed. And I was really impressed with um, the session that he did. It was such a short session. It's probably a couple hours um, that it impacted me. Um, and we met in the elevator uh, again. Uh, we talked about it a little bit. And then I forgot about it, right? And I kept seeing his name over and over again. And I, 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 was, a, I was a terrible broker, all right? You have to understand that I came as an, in, as an investor first thinking that brokerage was going to help me be a better investor. I was wrong, <laughs> but I was desperate. This was like 2007, 2008, where I think I needed something to change, right? And um, I was a terrible broker. And when I was at the company I was at, I didn't get any coaching. It was just kind of like, hey, let's see who survives. Let's see who figures it out and survives. And, I, and, I, and that was pretty rough. And then I realized there was a way to do this. How, how do you prospect? What, you know, 
who do you figure out who to call? Who's, you know, how, how do you figure up, use a CRM and, and put a prospecting list together? What is presence? Um, how do you manage your pipeline? These are some basic things that I didn't get and I didn't understand and I didn't know. So coaching was huge for me in that way. And I realized that I wanted to get better and the best way to get better is to coach it. So I got my, you know, I got my CCIM. Uh, I met Bo Barron, who was working with um, a Rod's group at the time. And then they started the recruiting and I was like, hey, what a great way to not only, you know, reinforce what I'm learning, but to get to experience other people across the country. And I love meeting other people across the country and, 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 and coaching allows you to get very, um, get inside, um, a person's life. Uh, coaching is not just about the real estate. Uh, there's a lot of personal things. There's a lot of mindset issues. There's, you know, you go through the abundance and scarcity, you know, what perspective, where, where are you coming from? What's your point of view that feeds into me. I get more out of coaching the people, um, that I coach than what they get from me. I just do. I, and I love it. And I know it's a crazy important and I'll do it as long as Rod allows me to do it. I hope I answered the question. I kind of, no, no, you de you definitely did. And so, um, I, I'm just going to tag on to the end of that and say, look, the whole reason why I started getting involved in, in social media actually wasn't even, um, really as much promoting our business, which it ended up becoming, uh, and being successful, but it was as a way to reach out and get knowledge from other markets. And one of the most undervalued things that a lot of brokers do is they don't look outside their market. And there's so much, um, there's so many amazing things happening all over the country in terms of uh, brokers using new techniques or new investing techniques. And if you just live in your little bubble, you're just never going to get better. So, um, uh, I have, to, I have to just tag along and say, you know, phenomenal advice, um, in terms of, uh, transition and kind of, um, a little bit away from coaching. Uh, I'm curious, um, when, when, when we talk about transactions, I know that you're, you're downplaying your brokerage skills, but, um, <laughs> what would you say as a, as a coach now, uh, you think is probably the biggest, um, issue that you see in most transactions from a broker's perspective? And uh, how do you think is the best way to address that? Ask me that question differently. Um, yes, I'm totally fine with doing that. Sometimes yeah. uh, I get a little long winded. So what do you think is the biggest issue that most brokers are facing when doing transactions these days? Okay, I'm going to answer it, but I'm, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. Um, but let me give you the perspective is that um, a long time ago when I was an investor, um, I'm going to give you a story here. Um, I was, I owned a, a large track of land and I was negotiating with someone and, and, and uh, one of my partners um, and I didn't like the price we were getting. And it was, you know, looking back now, it was a fair price and we were getting a lot more than what we paid for it. But I knew that I, I thought I could get more. I got greedy. And my, and my partner says, he goes, you know, you know, for you to be a really um, important, really good investor, you got to fall in love with the transaction, not get caught up in the money. You know, you're making money. That's a good thing. But greed kills deals. Now, 
Fast forward, as a broker, the biggest problem that I see um, in my office, in the company, in the people that I coach is that they get caught up in the money part. They get caught up in the commission. They get caught, you know, um, it, they, they get caught up in where they let the money interfere with the relationship. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't battle for money. We always have to do that. We always have to, we, we do have value. But the thing is, is that um, the relationship, the transaction, you know, the more transactions, the more money you're going to make, the, the deeper and the stronger the relationships you have, the more money you're going to make. And you've got to learn how to pick your battles. And I'm not saying that commission is not a battle. Of course it is. But that sometimes ruins relationships. You might get the deal done and you might win that battle, but you have lost that war. You have lost that relationship. You have burnt some bridges along the way. Um, and, you know, when you talk about a transaction, a broker's always looking at the money, but you know, think about the brokers that are in a brokerage house and you know, what do they do? They bitch about the the splits. They, they, they bitch about, there's all these things they're bitching about. Um, and the, and the reality is that they, they're not seeing the, the, the big picture. They're not seeing the ability to grow. They not, they're not seeing the, the ability to, you know, if, if you're complaining about a split, but you're not a producer, how does that make sense? Right. You know, there's these things that come along the way that, um, Letting the money get in, in the way for a much bigger payoff, um, a lot more transactions, deeper relationships is a huge mistake that I see um, at a macro level. Does that make sense? So how did the question? Yeah, no, it, it definitely makes sense. And you definitely answered my question. But I have a follow up is how does a broker fall in love with a transaction? doing transactions because I think a lot of people get into our industry uh, just, you know, with the big idea of big commissions. Um, and uh, sometimes we idolize and focus on that. And that's really such a small part of the industry. How, how do you fall in love with doing transactions? So here's two things. And, and I learned this from Rod Santo Massimo. And the first thing is understanding the value that you bring to the table right? It's making that transition from a broker, a commodity to an advisor, right? Being the guy, you know, the, the, what I love, and I think most brokers love after a few years after they understand this is you get a seat at the table. You just imagine this long conference room and you have your CFO, you have your CTO, you have the CEO, and then there you are representing the real estate. Right now, you are an advisor, and I have a, you know, a handful of clients that I love working because they understand my value. And there's one that we go and and we have drinks um, regularly, like once a month, to discuss the real estate. And they're a big, big company, and they're getting bigger. And they have a, and, and I'm helping them come up with their real estate strategy. Right, that to me is way more fun than the money. Right. The money's huge. I love that. And that's great. But just being able to be a part of that discussion as an advisor, to me, there, there's nothing better. And I think when we get past the fact of, hey, the commissions come from from having really great relationships with people that, that decision makers that rely on you and rely on the value that you bring to the table changes everything for me and should change everything for everybody. 
Because if you're just a transaction broker and you're just going on the commission, you're missing you're missing the beauty of this business. And I can't think of anything more fun to do. Oh, of course I can, but this is pretty damn cool. This business is really damn cool. No, I, I look, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, um, one of the best things about the business from my perspective, and I say I predominantly work with folks who are, you know, uh, industrial or smaller businesses and in, in office. Um, and um, I get to really help people's business dreams come true and, and hold their hand through the process of sometimes some of the most difficult decisions that they're going to make, particularly for some of these, you know, large industrial clients that we work with. Uh, figuring out how to work a space and and get an industrial property that works for all their machinery or the logistics needs can be one of the most critical decisions of their business. And uh, to be part of that process and to see just absolute dreams come true is phenomenal, right? And so I think for brokers that focus on just the commission and they don't value the relationships that they have and the ability to really um, make it an amazing, uh, life-changing economic uh, uh, deal happen in somebody's life, um, it's, it's really underselling our business. So um, in terms of going through and, and um, uh, selling one little bit more about you, you have done a lot of major uh, deals with some pretty uh, big-time clients, you know, McDonald's, Applebee's, go down the list in the retail world. Um, I'm just curious if we can, before we get to our final four, uh, if you could tell one uh, little tidbit that you've learned from doing a major deal negotiation and add a little value to our folks who are uh, looking up to you and, and trying to figure out that, that gap in, in their uh, ability to do transactions. So I'm, I'm going to tell you what... Um... I'm gonna. I'm, I'm kind of gonna answer your question, but I'm not. It's 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 gonna be something that maybe it's a plus one kind of thing. That's um, fine. Because <laughs> we've talked about relationships and how important it is, and um, one of the things that I love to do is invest. Um, um, I like to buy things, and I have had the opportunity to do that with some of our clients. Um, um, as an LP, as a GP, um, and I love doing that. And, you know, one of the things that I, I offer more value is that when I see a, a specific piece of property and this is, you know, everyone does it. Most brokers do this is, you know, they're, they're able to, Hey, line something up with, uh, with the tenant, align, you know, and, and, and create a, a really cool opportunity, uh, as an investment, but then also partner up with my clients to buy certain property, right? And say, hey, um, that is the piece that I think has really entrenched me with a lot of my clients where I am top of mind constantly now, right? And I'm now I'm being invited to invest in other deals. I might not be the broker, but now I might be the guy that's investing and I'm the only non-family member investing, right? Or being invited to into different investment opportunities that would would not normally be. Because again, brokers see things as, as a transact most brokers see things as a transaction and as a commission. I like to see things as how can how can I make this relationship deeper, stronger, uh be more involved in in in, in their life and their family, have discussions that are, you know, it's not just about business, but life in general. 
And investing is a huge piece of that. And so every time I do a deal or um, every time I'm working on a deal with someone, I see how I can provide more value and maybe be a part of that investment. Um, it's because that, guess what? That other transaction in most, and I haven't had a bad deal yet. You know, I've had bad deals in 2008 and nine. That was a different story. But these have been successful things. And in having success with your clients makes those relationships stronger, not just at the transaction level, but at the investment level. Now we're all making money together. Now we're, we're looking at other deals to do. And I'm getting invited more and more and more. It's like the snowball effect of other things that I can invest that were with clients. And is that relationship stronger because of that? Absolutely. Is there a risk? Absolutely. But I think the reward is huge in that. I hope that answers your question. I could have, I, I took it in. No, level. no, it does. It does. It's fine. Um, I, I think the, the, the most important thing that we, we sadly have to mention, though, is we are getting to the end, generally the podcast, but we are going to add value. You've talked a lot about adding value. And I think strengthen our relationship here on the podcast because the final four <laughs> questions are always are always just generally a good way to learn a little bit more about you, Rob, and to learn a little bit more for our audience as well. So the first question, and, and this is one of my favorites that I like to ask about, is where do you see uh, retail real estate going? Um, because uh, there's a lot of predictions. I don't know if you flip through the pages of the Wall Street Journal or Bloomberg or what have you. They're making all sorts of predictions about the future of retail. You're on the ground, and I think you're a better uh, better situated than somebody who somebody who's in a New York office right now. What are you seeing in the retail market, and where do you think the future is going? That's a great question. So the the first thing I want to I want to say is that I think we're going to see more adaptive reuse in the retail market, right? Because, um, and, and I think I'm seeing this in all the markets uh, that Resolute um, RE is in, is that there's not a whole lot of, of industrial available right now, right? There's some coming out of the ground, some people are building. But the problem is, is that I think because of the, the supply, supply, chain, supply chain issues that we've, we've gone through is that people are going to start carrying more inventory. And, and they're not going to rely on the supply chain to get the, the product that they need so they could distribute it. What's going to happen is that we're going to see some closures happening in the retail space. And industrial prices have gone up and they're actually not too far away from retail prices. So now you're going to see this adaptive reuse where they're going to take boxes, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 square feet and now start using it for what industrial space, um, uh, they're going to start using that retail as industrial space type um, uh, real estate. So, for instance, um, one of those deals I was talking about where we invested with one of our client, it was an old Babies R Us box, 40,000 square feet. Uh, I represent um, a, a big co defense contractor. They couldn't find the space. Now we have a defense contractor that has office and lab in a retail area adjacent to a cons home furnishings right right you, you you're starting to see that where they're repurposing it and the and the rates aren't that different from what they were um uh, these uh, industrial rates are not too far from where from where retail rates were right so now you're seeing that it makes sense and and i think we're going to see a lot of that you know and in the retail space 
we are going to see a lot more um, experiential type things, more showroom type things. That's my guess, just because of the way things are going. Um, I think everyone's life was has pivoted since the pandemic and seeing things differently and see workspace differently and see and I think that was I think we're we're going to see the remnants of that and how we treat commercial real estate moving forward. Well, I'll say this absolutely definitively. Um, I'm working on two deals right now, and I've done another deal already just this year that were uh, retail uh, deals that were coming from a very industrial perspective. There's very little supply in the industrial market, particularly industrial that needs a lot of parking. And so um, I couldn't agree more, Rob. It's definitely the future for a lot of areas, particularly kind of your low-end malls, your low-end retail that's kind of seen a lot of vacancy over the years. And so that's that's fascinating to hear that it's happening outside of Chicagoland. And so, uh, one point I want to make, right it's kind of interesting, is that the new industrial that's coming out of the ground, you know, we all know construction prices have shot through the roof. So, you know, those lease rates are much higher now. So now you're leasing industrial um, at much higher rates, you know, double of what they were a couple of years ago. Easily matches with retail and, you know, and you're going to get a lot more parking and so forth. And so I, I, I see yep. it coming more and more. No, it's phenomenal. And then particularly for, there's so many more experiential uses in the industrial world now that need visibility. Like, like if you're an Amazon fulfillment center, you really don't need any, uh, any visibility. But if you're a, you know, a pickleball court or you're a, uh, a company that's doing, you know, uh, you know, kids parties, having that sign can be the difference between being in business or being out of business in 18 months. So, um, Good point. totally, totally a different world. Um, uh, in terms of a different world, I know we've pre we've looked at uh, the past, or, or we've looked at the future. But now, uh, one of my favorite questions I always like to ask is going back into the past. And Rob, I know that your time in high school was a little further back than mine. But <laughs> if, if if you can look back at, at Rob coming out of high school, what would be your two cents of advice that you would give? Man, uh, don't be an asshole because I was. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the biggest advice is to to find someone that is doing what you want to do, and just get mentored, get coached, get mentored. Um, you know, I think it, it's hard at that age to even know what you want to do, um, other than make a bunch of money, right? And and so when you talk about that age, just find someone that you respect, you love and know that they're doing something that you think you want to be a part of and stop trusting yourself. Stop thinking that you know it all and just do what they tell you to do. I think that is the biggest problem with most, with a lot of young people is they trust themselves and they think they know the answers, obviously, right? That, you know, I have a, I have a 18 year old daughter, right? And, and just get mentored and work for free, do what you need to do just to be under their wing and watch them. And, and you're going to save yourself a lot of grief. Look, I, I couldn't have put it better. There's a reason why you were coach of the year in 2021. Um, there's so many folks out there that need to have humility and, and understand that, you know, they don't know it all, particularly look when I was 18, 19, even when I was 
25, I thought I knew it all. I, I went to law school thinking I was going to be a super lawyer and turned out I hated it. Um, so um, in terms of, uh, in terms of, of going through that process, one of the best ways that uh, we can find humility and really start to learn is books. Um, and I, I know you're, you're a phenomenal coach. And, and uh, look, I would highly recommend folks reaching out to a coach or at least at the very least a mentor to try to find additional um, knowledge in the industry. But one of the ways that I always like to up my game is through books. And so is there a book, Rob, that you would recommend for all of our listeners? There's a, there's a couple books. Um, and so the first thing, um, gosh, there's more than a couple. So I'm just going to, you know, that's fine. <laughs> for, you know, for, in general, in life, and it kind of goes back to the question of what would I tell myself, um, is Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Learn how to connect with people, have that relationship. Um, relationships is what got me into coaching. Relationships has got me into brokerage. Relationships has got me investing. Um, I owe everything to the relationships that I have. And, um, and I burned some bridges that I shouldn't have, right? And so relationships are crazy important. Um, how to win friends and influence people and read that at least once a year, at least once a year, just read it over and over and over again. So you're not, you know, so that you can build some really strong relationships. I'm a relationship guy. And then for, for brokers, uh, brokers who dominate by Rod, uh, um, Rod Santo Massimo, you know, that's the book for brokers that everyone needs to read in the, in the brokerage community. I have tons more book, but I'll, I'll leave it there. Look, those are three great ones. Um, uh, uh, Rod is phenomenal. Um, Dale Carnegie is phenomenal. And uh, just upping your relationship game in general, is, is uh, that's great, a great book. So um, in terms of our last question, and this is the greatest, most important question of all, uh, and the whole reason for the podcast is who should we invite on next? Because uh, you know a lot of people in real estate who are not only uh, established, but also up and coming. Uh, who's who's the one name that we should invite on to the podcast? Next? Well, I'm afraid to name someone because I'm afraid you've already talked to them. So uh, if, I've, if, I've, if I mention a name you've talked to them, I can come up with someone else. But That's fine, yeah. I'm in this investment group and there's this guy by the name of James Nelson. You know who I'm talking about? I think so. I think so. I don't know him well, so but I think so. He is a broker in Manhattan, but he's an investor. He just wrote a book. Um, it's probably going to kill me that I didn't mention it. One of the three, he said, Insider's Edge to Real Estate Investing. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter actually two days ago. Yeah. But I am really impressed with him. And uh, uh, he and I serve, we're kind of like a, a shark tank, right? We, we listen to other brokers pitching these investment opportunities. It's, it's Rod Santomassimo, Brad Ahrens, James Nelson, me. Um, oh, there's another guy, I can't remember his name, and I'll probably get beat up for that. And wow, this guy is, is pretty impressive. I'm kissing his ass, but yeah, it deserves it. He's 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 that good, um, and he's a product of uh, of Knackle out of Manhattan. So, yeah, look, we we have to reach out, and uh, we'd love to have him on the podcast. Uh, now, we have one final question before you go, and Rob, what's the best way for someone who wants to reach out and either get coaching or just reach out for a little bit more information? How do they best get in contact with you? So, the best way for like 
just contact is LinkedIn. Um, look me up, Rob Powell, LinkedIn, uh, Resolute RE, Albuquerque, New Mexico, easy to find. Uh, as for coaching, you know, the Massimo group, you just go through the Massimo group and, and uh, I, I can't pick my, my members. I've actually capped off my members. I'm not taking any more members. It's been a while since I've taken more members, but um, there's, and if you, there's tons of great coaches there too. So, but LinkedIn, I, I tried Twitter. I'm still not there. Uh, Instagram, no, uh, but LinkedIn all day long. Look, uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. It's a great networking group and I would highly recommend uh, the Massimo group. It's a wonderful coaching uh, platform. And uh, Rob, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. Man, my pleasure. What an honor. And it's great to meet you, Gordon, and hopefully we'll meet in person someday. But uh... hopefully we meet in person. Hopefully. Thanks again to Robert. We appreciate his insights. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like, a five-star rating, or review. Your comments, interactions, and subscriptions truly matter and help us continue to provide quality guests. You can follow us on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gordon Lamphere with The Real Finds Podcast. Thank you for listening.